Telehealth isn't a side hustle anymore. It's centre stage in healthcare delivery. But with its growing prominence comes a web of complexity. How do we integrate telehealth platforms seamlessly into existing healthcare workflows? And how can these platforms adapt to the future of healthcare, which is increasingly driven by artificial intelligence? Well, today on the show, THT Ambassador Nathan Moore speaks with Dr. Sylvia Pfeiffer, CEO and co-founder of CoView. And in this episode, we talk about the ethical and practical implications of telehealth, including issues around access and the quality of care, how we will integrate and seamlessly adopt telehealth into existing healthcare ecosystems, and the future of telehealth in this AI-driven world. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Good morning, Sylvia. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast today. How are you going today? Very well, thank you. Always happy to be here. Oh, fantastic. Look, why don't we make a start? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the journey for how you came to co-found and be the CEO of CoView? Oh my goodness, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Been a long journey. I'll make it short. My background is actually as a computer scientist. So I wanted to go into healthcare all my life, but uh, I couldn't see blood. So I turned to technology, which is sort of the opposite. And and now towards, you know, later stage in my life, I can finally apply that in healthcare as there's a big drive towards the digitization of healthcare. Uh, and on the back of that, I was a research scientist at CSIRO in 2012, I guess. Uh, and we were working on this new technology, WebRTC, which brings video conferencing into the web browser. And so the key application that we wanted to apply that to was healthcare. And so we did some research. We worked with Rolfa West School, which has speech pathologists that are delivering healthcare services into rural and remote areas. And so that whole environment really fascinated me and, and created the seed for what became CoView. We spun CoView out of the CSIRO in 2018. In 2019, we had uh, our biggest customer, Health Direct, come on board. And you can imagine they got on board in September 2019. In March 2020, the pandemic hit. And both our direct customers that we had built uh, through our self-service online platform and the Health Direct government customers, uh, the usage just exploded. And, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) <laughs> wow, it really, really was a baptism by fire, wasn't it? it um, was. <laughs> wow, yeah, no, it's a really, really interesting journey. I, I had almost the reverse. I was the healthcare guy who then got into tech. I like that you've had the opposite approach, you know, tech and got into healthcare. Um, yes. 
<laughs> Fantastic. So, look, I was, I was doing a bit of research before the podcast here, and, and your website describes Curveview as an all-in-one virtual care engagement platform. So, what are some of the unique features that, that you find set it apart from, you know, there are other telehealth solutions on the market. So, what makes you guys different? Oh, there's uh, effectively three key things, one of which is we integrate with the workflows and software that people use in their daily lives. So, we have integrations with EMRs and practice management software, and so the booking flow becomes seamless. You can just put us on a website, etc. So that integration piece is, is quite fundamental to us. That also helps the administrators. So also giving administrators, that's the second part, giving administrators a really good insight on everything that is happening in their virtual clinic is a key differentiator. You don't really get that in other platforms. You can't see all the calls that are going on, whether there's a patient waiting to be picked up by a clinician uh, and the clinician hasn't turned up. You know, that kind of insight is what you need when you run a virtual clinic. And the third part is really uplifting the quality of care. So uplifting the quality of a video consultation that is being held online from mere talking heads which is sort of what we're currently doing, to an actual clinical consultation. And for that clinical consultation, clinicians need uh, information-based decision-making. They need assessments. They need forms that patients need fill in. They maybe even need medical devices that take measurements, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That's the quality of the video call and the uh, quality of diagnostics and therapy that you can provide is just very different when you focus on that space. You're doing my job for me here. I think there's two really great pieces I'd love to unpack a bit there. I guess the first I'll jump on is you mentioned this integration as being a key differentiator and I hear that the three you had, but that interoperability integration piece is such a hot button topic at the moment and really feels like a bit of the holy grail that we're all sort of grasping for with these disparate siloed information systems I mean, could you unpack a little bit more in some of the practical steps, how you've gone about that? Because, you know, a lot of people are trying, not as many people are succeeding in getting that interoperability piece working. So how have you done that? How have you gone about it? Yeah, interoperability is really hard. And our background as a technology business is probably really helping because we know how to work with APIs. We know how to use fire. We know how to, you know, make really simple, small changes that have a huge impact. And so we've built the interfaces through which we can integrate with other platforms, be that bookings, you know, appointment bookings that we can pull from other systems into our system, or we can get them done on our system and push them into other systems. That's just a workflow feature, but you're talking about patient data as well. So if patient data gets captured like a assessment, we've got a custom form, that custom form gets filled in by the patient and the clinician in a video call. You don't want that custom form to be just stored on CoView because that's not where patient data lives. Patient data lives in your EMR and it may be in the patient portal, but in places, in other places. So the integration of that data with other places where it should appear as well is what FIRE is about and where we allow our data to be stored elsewhere as well. And so we, we've made those integrations as well. The integrations because it's complicated from a technology point of view, can be on certain different levels, right? Not every software platform that you have, not every EMR, not every practice management software has achieved the same kind of high interoperability capability as others. Fire is a really high level of interoperability where you're using structured data if you've done an assessment, each one of the fields that you filled in will actually be mapped 
into a form that is also available in the EMR. And so therefore it becomes structured data that you are sharing with the other system and that you can analyze. So you can compare that to a previous form that has been filled in a couple months ago. You can graph it, etc. That's the highest level of integration you can get. But that level is not uh, something that is generally available with current systems. The level that we're getting is, you know, we do the assessment, we turn it into PDF file, we send it somewhere in, into a folder where the other software is picking it up from. And so they're loading in that, that, that form, which is a PDF, completely unstructured data, can't do anything with it other than show it to people. And so that gets loaded into the application. So you're seeing there's different levels of integrations. We're supporting all of them, but we have to work with the individual vendor. So there's no, no such thing as you implement one API and then you're done because everyone can work with you. That would be nirvana. You know, that would be like paradise on earth. Unfortunately, that's not how, how technology works. You actually have to figure out what the other partner is doing, what interface they're offering, and then you work together to find the best path. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. You mentioned there a number of times that assessment and, you know, a presentation of information, capturing things from forms and seeing those changes over time. I mean, as a clinician, you know, we, we are always striving for information guided decision making. You know, we want the relevant information presented in front of us. I mean, when I was doing my research, uh, it says Coview offers over 50 clinical tools and assessments all with automated scoring and data visualization and things like that. So can you elaborate a bit for how you guys see these tools benefiting healthcare providers with their assessments and treatment planning and those sorts of things? When you go and see any kind of practitioner, be that a speech pathologist, be that a mental health practitioner, UGP, a specialist, there's always data created around your consultation. And most of the time that data is created in the format of a form, something that gets filled in that's a standardized way for you to do your uh, analysis, your diagnostics. You follow the processes that you've learned and you fill that in. Oftentimes that happens in your EMR, but sometimes you actually need to do that together with the patient. Uh, you have a, a form, let's say DUST21, mental health assessment, and you're in the room, you have it on paper, 
you shift it over to the patient and they fill it in. Then you get it back. Then you look at it and you do your calculations and you get out a number at the bottom. That number tells you how serious their mental health problems are. And then you can take actions based on that. And so that kind of cap capability is not easy to replicate in a video call because you can't just hand over a piece of paper. <laughs> so what we've done is we've enabled this kind of capability in a video call. You can bring up your Dust21 in the video call. You can watch the patient fill it in. If they have any questions while they're filling it in, you can help them understand the question. As they're filling it in, you already see the results. It calculates it for you. It tells you as they go how serious it is. So you have no need to spend any time sitting down, making calculations, potentially getting it wrong while the patient is watching, bit under time pressure, you know, all that kind of stuff. We take away that time and it gets done and you have the results straight away. That form gets stored. And then when you come back in a month and they've gone through therapy or something and you want to reassessment, assess them, you get them to do that again. And then you have that data, it's structured data, you can graph it, you can do something with it. So that makes, uplifts the quality of care massively. It also uplifts your experience as a clinician because you're not sitting there, you know, pulling out your hair, trying to get the forms happening. How do I screen share this now? Oh, how do they fill it in? Do I fill it in for them? You know, it just gets done, right? And it allows you to do what you normally do, how you normally work as a clinician at the level of competency that you have and uh, quality of care that you provide to do that via video as well. And we've not been able to do that in traditional video conferencing environments. It's only possible when you have a, a dedicated telehealth platform. One thing that just stood out to me when you were describing that was you said, oh, you know, you wouldn't traditionally be able to do that in a video health one. But I think what's great about this is you're talking about an uplift for what we could do in face-to-face -face as well, <laughs> where, you know, that, that document, I'm not seeing the real-time calculations. That's my patient fills out some information. I then have to go through and analyze it myself, which doesn't always happen dynamically. Or if it does, it, it's a time waste. Like, this is all automated in front of the clinicians. I, I really like it. We're not just aiming for replication of real world experience. We're uplifting it using that technology to do those calculations. So no, it's really fascinating stuff. We used to have a goal in CoView. We would say that we're trying to make the experience better than being there. And better than being there is a very high bar because everybody says seeing a clinician in person is the best care you can get. Yeah. Now that doesn't always apply. Uh, and we want people to understand that it doesn't always apply. And sometimes in-person is better, but sometimes yeah. online is actually better too. No, absolutely. And, and that choice piece, I, I think, is such a critical step in it. You know, And you know, I always say it, right tool in the right place. And yeah, just making sure we design these things to yeah, aim for the stars. I love it. So you were talking about dynamic video consultations and how that, you know, you're trying to enhance that patient-provider interaction. But what are some of the other approaches you're taking? I mean, I know obviously traditional phone calls might be a step. Like how, how, how do you support different modalities? How do you support that choice? I guess is the question I'm asking here. I like the word choice that you've just used. Choice is very important. We want to give the patient the choice of modality in which they want to see the practitioner. And the modality could be in person. The modality could be by a video call, but it could also be by a phone call. And when we discovered that like 90% of all telehealth consultations that a GP offers is, is done via phone and not via video, which is kind of when you think about it logically, it kind of makes sense because 
GP consultations are typically quite short. And by the time you have figured out all the video stuff, your 10 minutes are over, right? So you want to do this quickly. And oftentimes the GP doesn't really need to see the patient. They just need to uh, have a conversation. So we want to support that as well. And we want to support it in one environment. So the clinicians don't have to use 10 different devices and tools in order to do their work. So we implemented what we call phone telehealth. And the phone telehealth capability is an ability for patients to call in and wait to be picked up, a bit like a phone call center kind of functionality, but it's, you know, they call into the clinic, they're waiting until the clinician is ready to speak with them, and then the clinician can pick them up, and they can pick them up via video or uh, via phone. And they're waiting in the same waiting area. The clinic gets all the data, all the reporting all the auditing information that maybe Medi Medicare would want to see at some point in one report. Uh, and that is a huge differentiator for us to be able to do that in an integrated fashion. Okay. And, and so that, that's the part I was going to, you said integrate the end, but so that, that phone call, you know, I, I'm the patient, I call in on the phone, you're my receiving GP, you're taking that phone call through the CoView platform. Yep. That's, yep, perfect. Just comes in yep. via the same way that, that I would pick up a video call video, and I yeah. can... You know, I've got my practice management software in front of me, CoView there, and I talk to the patient. I can work on there. I don't have a receiver or a, a mobile phone in my hand that I need yeah. to like squeeze under my. It's as simple as getting a video call. So, I mean, a, a lot of the use cases we've unpacked here have been about that one-to-one -one interaction, you know, GP to patient. But I know one of the things I, I was looking at in your website and in my pre-work was you talk about supporting some like allied health and group therapy and these other sorts of interactions. And that particularly the group therapy piece was something I hadn't seen as often discussed in, in the virtual care space. Do you want to unpack a little bit about how you support that and, and some of the potential advantages you see in that group therapy space? That's a very good point. Most people that know you from the past know that we were restricted to a small number of participants, two or three, maybe four at most. Uh, we've recently changed this. So we've uh, upgraded it and we now allow group therapy sessions. Group therapy sessions are sessions where maybe one therapist, let's say an exercise physiologist, is offering an exercise class to 20 patients, right? Um, 20 patients, they might be in 20 different locations. Everyone is joining from home. And uh, this capability is also very important to a lot of therapists, mental health practitioners, physical therapy, speech pathology. You know, there, there are sessions that you want to do with a group of patients. And sometimes even it's about clinicians meeting other clinicians, men, um, multidisciplinary team meetings. You also want to be able to have a larger group of people be able to work together. And so we implemented group therapy or group meeting capability for CoView as well. That's now just another type of room that you can use in COVID. It's like a conference room, right? Usually you have your surgery, your treatment room, uh, and now we also offer conference rooms or big meeting rooms for people to offer their group therapy sessions. One of the things I've just realized, you know, we've got through a, a health tech digital podcast so far, and I haven't mentioned either of the big two of cyber or AI. So I feel like we have to dive in there a little bit now. Um, so, I mean, obviously, such an increasing spotlight on cyber at the moment and the real important for safety, security, compliance, privacy, all of that. How do you tackle that in CoView? Because it's such a minefield at times. So lots of information. How, how do you guys approach that? Yeah, it's a very important uh, differentiator for us and a very important part of what we do. Everything we do from the start was always about keeping patient privacy and patient-client 
confidentiality so that nobody could join your video call and listen in on your video call. Remember uh, Zoom bombing back in the day of when the beginning of the pandemic was? People would just jump into other people's video calls. That just cannot be. We've made it such an important part of what Curvy is. You can even lock your room. You can lock it when you're in it with one other person or two other people. You lock it and nobody can disturb you, not even your practice manager or someone like that. So it gives you that privacy that you desire and that you need. And it's always been fundamental to Curvy from the beginning. Our video calls were end-to-end encrypted from the beginning. It's a direct connection between the participants are typically not involved in as a you know, as a platform provider, we're not involved in any of those conversations. They're encrypted. There's encryption keys for both ends. And so that secures that conversation from anybody to listen in. We've also extended that to all the, the data that we're storing. So it's a data, patient data. Let's say we do an assessment. Let's say we do a Pearson assessment. So we have assessments from Pearson that we support for speech pathologists, mental health, etc. And so those assessments, when they're done on CoView, there's data being created and that data could be stored on CoView. And when we store it, you want to make sure that that data is encrypted and cannot be seen by anyone else because it's private patient data. Uh, and so with double encryption, not only are we encrypting any data that we save on our platform with a CoView key, we also give you a clinic key and that clinic key double encrypts your data so that, you know, nobody else can really is able to decrypt your data. Sounds very reassuring. You, you lost me on some of the parts, but it sounds like you, you're all over it. That's that's really great. Looking to the future of healthcare, I mean, moving forward, so you can't help but mention artificial intelligence at this point. So how do you see Curview evolving and adapting to some of these emerging trends and technologies such as AI? And, and what role do you envisage telehealth platforms like Curview playing in that landscape? So Curview does artificial intelligence work in several different ways. So the first thing, and we've worked on this for a while, is really focused on we're already in a digital environment. We've got the digital video of the patient. So we can do something with that. We can do image analysis. We can do analyze the face of a patient. We can do what we've done with our range of motion tool. We can calculate the range of motion around a, a, a limb of a, 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 in, on, on, on humans' bodies, right? So range of motion is one of those capabilities that we've looked at uh, developing. And we've done that together with the CSIRO because there's a lot of modern artificial intelligence algorithms required and lots of machine machine learning that we couldn't do by ourselves. So we brought in the experts effectively and that technology is in development, has been developed. It's actually going through TGA compliance at the moment. With software as a medical device, you now have to go through these um, regulatory approvals, just like you do with a physical device. And that's going to lead to digital devices, software as a medical device, which are new to most clinicians. Most clinicians aren't used to this. And so the standards that are applied to that are also very high. Another similar approach that we're doing right now is a MRFF grant for wound care. So wound analysis, we can remotely analyze wounds for their depth and width and height and pussiness and that kind of stuff. Uh, And so there is a lot of that kind of traditional artificial intelligence work. And then we can take it another level with ChatGPT and all that modern artificial intelligence that has recently evolved. We're looking at partners that can bring into a video call, because we've already got the audio, the ability to transcribe everything that's being said and automatically create your notes for you. 
your soap notes, your whatever notes you need to take about that consultation and store in your practice management software. How cool would it be if you didn't have to take notes anymore, patient notes, if it was already pre-done for you? Maybe you take you you correct a couple of things because you didn't hear everything correctly and it gets stored away and you're done with the consultation two minutes after it's over, right? That Wouldn't that be like the best way of working? Absolutely. And well, what's really interesting is that you sort of described, like you say, there's, there's lots of sort of components that are being explored in, in different spaces. And, you know, transcription and tokenization of data, these are things that different players are doing but the really promising part the exciting part for me is you're talking about the integration of these into one streamlined platform this isn't single use you know you'd use this tool for this thing and this tool for that thing you're bringing all of these things together under that one platform and and genuinely integrating it and supporting it with your existing uh, integrations i mean look at at this point sylvia i mean that was all the questions i I had here is is there anything i've missed that you'd like to point out to our listeners or or anything but what's next for um (laughs) coview Yeah, I think what I want to share is what we currently do in the US. So we've obviously expanded into the US as a business and we found ourselves a really nice niche, as they call it. I think we call it niche. Um, (laughs) Some Americanisms are already going into my language. The area that we're focusing on is in uh, special education in schools. And so that's speech pathologists, occupational therapists, school psychologists, that area is actually the area where Coview started. And so it's kind of interesting to see that we're replicating that market approach uh, in the US as well. But what it allows us to do is to uplift the quality of our video calls in one specific domain. We're really focusing deeply on that de- domain. And we've extended our partnership with Pearson, Pearson Clinical in the US, which is offering standardized assessments that are being used in speech pathology and mental health and other areas that are in common use across all the schools in the US and also in Australia. And so before we just did what's called stimulus materials, which is, you know, you, you get this assessment and as the clinician asked the child to do something, you know, point at the two pictures that belong together out of those 10 or whatever, th- something like that, right? And so it's two hours of that, those kinds of tests. And so that stimulus material was always there. Now what we've integrated is the instructions that the uh, clinician has to also do in order to get the, the patient or the student to do what they're supposed to do. So the instructions are now also displayed in the interface, but it's a asymmetrical interface. So it's not the same what the patient sees from what the clinician sees. So only the clinician sees the instructions, not the patient. And the next thing that we're going to do is we put the scoring in as well. So the results of all those things are currently done on a piece of paper. Then you quickly tick off what the answers were. We want that digital as well. That's where Coview is taking it and really upping it another notch from, you know, from paper to digital. And we're doing that with Pearson. And I guess I've got sort of a, a semi public announcement also to make. We've got some other great partnerships in the works. And the one that is really important to us is the partnership with Boom. Boom Learning uh, is providing a lot of this content material that these therapists are continuously using with children. And so we've built a very tight integration with, with Boom. You can share a cursor with a patient and the patient can remotely interact with it. That's a capability that other 
web-based applications can't do. We actually had to develop a desktop application out of our um, application first. And so we can do this now as well. We can provide this remote control capability and it'll allow us to have this interactivity with games and other such things that therapists do with their children or with their patients. Um, and we have that interactivity in, in a video call now. So look, it's, it's really interesting. We're talking about how we can make this virtual approach better than the, the real life experience in certain settings. I mean, one that jumps to mind immediately for me is the multicultural nature of healthcare delivery now. And, you know, we have multiple people from different ethnicities speaking different languages. I mean, how do you approach that? How do you enable that from a technology perspective? Yeah, the cool thing is that we have all the technology uh, built into one. So we actually have some integrations with interpreter businesses particularly 2M is a partner that offers 250 medical interpreters and they can be brought in at the click of a button. So if you need an interpreter, you, you don't understand or your patient doesn't understand what you're trying to tell them, you might be t tempted to bring in one of these interpreters and you click on them and within a minute you get that interpreter uh, for that language to come in and can actually uh, help the patient understand what's going on. Fantastic. That really enabling stuff there. Good work. I think that brings us to the end of our time, Sylvia. Thank you so much for your time. I've had an absolute blast uh, doing this interview. Some really fascinating work you're doing. Yeah, thank you for your time. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact... If you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.